Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning, folks. November 10th, 2023. Veterans Day is actually November the 11th, but today it is observed and we will not be broadcasting tomorrow. So I wanted to thank each and every veteran uh, for the sacrifice, for their um, bravery, their courage, their strength their dedication to this country, um, the sacrifices that they've made for our rights and our privileges that we enjoy. Uh, So if you come across the path of a veteran today, please thank them. And to those and the families of those that have made the ultimate sacrifice, uh, we honor uh, you uh, for making that ultimate sacrifice so that we may go on living in a free and open society. That has a lot of challenges, but nonetheless, the best that there is to offer in the world today. We've got a long lineup today, so we're just going to judge Judge Amanda Calagara from the Jefferson Parish Juvenile Court judge uh, from Juvenile Court, excuse me, joins us this morning. Uh, They will be celebrating on Monday, November the 13th, the first uh, annual Adoption Day. Five children will be adopted into permanent loving homes. Judge Caligaro, welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So, Judge, uh, what was the talking about the first annual Adoption Day? Uh, what motivated you guys uh, to start this uh, recognition and celebration? Well, this is something that I guess we've been talking about for a while. It's been going on nationally since 2000. There are hundreds of jurisdictions around the nation who celebrate this in the month of November. And in Louisiana, we certainly uh, need to bring the awareness because last year we had over 6,000 children in foster care in Louisiana, and we had the need to have 700 children adopted by persons who were not their parents. Um, and so there's, you know, quite the need, quite a lot of people in our state who were involved in this system want to celebrate and we want to bring attention to the wonderful work that our foster parents do and the people who prepare them, um, as well as the people who pre- prepare our CASA advocates, who are the people who give children voice in court when uh, they are in foster care. Judge, uh, I know that you probably speak to a lot of groups about this. When you quote those stats, typically what is the reaction you get? It's hard to know exactly because I I just, I guess, feel like many people don't 
deal with this in their day-to-day world. And, and that's part of why we want to do this is we want to have everyone kind of know that this is going on and that there are opportunities to help to change the trajectory of children's lives in our community. Um, I, I know that you're aware of this, but, you know, the, the sideline is we know now through brain development studies that what happens to a child in utero and in the early first three years of their life is critical to have them have healthy brain development. So when there are issues related to untreated mental illness, uh, untreated substance abuse issues, as well as some of the side effects of poverty, the children do not experience all of the normal connections that they need to in brain development. And this can plague them for years to come and cause, you know, the the actual need for rehabilitation and their ability to function well in school and in families and relationships to be quite a task to undertake and to be successful in. More often than not, your role is almost in some cases towards the end of, in some cases like in the beginning of the journey, but in others at the end of the journey, right? Well, it, you know, of course, differs. I mean, we have um, the responsibility of working with the Department of Children and Family Services as well as other departments in our state, but primarily, principally, DCFS or that department has to investigate all of the reports of child neglect and or abuse. Some of them begin by reports that we receive literally at the birth of the child. And then, of course, they can go at any point up until the child is 18 years old. So, I mean, it depends. Sometimes a child has been in a situation for a brief time, and maybe it's, you know, not going to be at that critical development time. But we also have cases where children are in situations for a lengthy period of time um, in those early critical times. And it's our goal, of course, to support families who are dealing with the horrible side effects of substance abuse to try to get sober in order to be able to better parent and have their children experience those healthy milestones um, to assist them in removing some of the obstacles that come with poverty and to be treated for some of the serious mental illnesses that plague some of our citizens in our state. So as much as we can work with DCFS and the families to support them doing better, the better the children can do. Now, of course, it's not always the case that they can remain with their family. And again, that is why we work so hard to ensure that we have well-educated staff and prepared foster families to take them in and advocates to be a voice for their needs in court. Judge, we've seen the scourge of uh, fentanyl come into our community. I think in Jefferson Parish last year, 274 drug-related deaths, 223 fentanyl deaths, 81% of those are overdose deaths. The second most overdose deaths in the state in 2021 in Jefferson Parish Um, With that, the byproduct in many cases is that there are children left behind, right? Yes. I mean, 
if the parent overdoses um, and they are not revived, um, then the child can immediately be dependent. Um, and, and that is something that we have to intervene in and, and we have immediate court hearings and have to place them immediately. We do have some people who use fentanyl um, and, and they don't actually die, um, which I guess was a learning for me. I, I, I guess you remember that I had a medical background and fentanyl was something in the hospital that when you administered it to a patient, they stopped breathing. And so right. I, I learned in this time that, unfortunately, there are people who use it and, and kind of walk that tightrope between um, having some sort of high and dying. Um, and so we do have people who come in who have an addiction that involves drugs, including fentanyl, and they are able to seek substance abuse treatment, go to rehab, go to detox and become free of the use of substances such as fentanyl and others. I think earlier you reported, what, 6,272 children that are served in foster care? Was that the number? That was the statistic for last year, yes. Right. What are we seeing? Is it trending up or down this year? Um, Unfortunately, this year it does seem to be trending up, and I'm not – entirely clear on what the problems are uh, but I do think that they include a lot of the substance abuse um, untreated mental illness as well as a number of people who um, have complications of poverty last year uh, and y'all are celebrating um, on Monday the adoption day and that and at the event five children will be adopted into permanent um, homes I think that in the stats that you provided me there's 700 that were adopted last year a lot of folks you know as opposed to 6,272 in foster care a lot of folks might interpret that as being that's not that big of a number but the reality is because of stigma because of a whole bunch of issues uh, and challenges, um, 700 in, in, in some ways can be viewed as quite an accomplishment, right? Yeah, I mean, when we can find adoptive homes for children and people who are committed when it's necessary to make a permanent change, it, it certainly is incredibly important. Each one, you know, in court, we don't really look at these numbers in big numbers like that. We look at it individually. And every child needs an opportunity to grow up in a gentle, loving home with supportive systems around them. And we do what we can every day to ensure that they get just that. And the successes that flow from that, I'm sure, um, really motivate you uh, in what you do, because uh, I've heard of so many, uh, so many stories and so many lives that have been impacted impacted in a positive way yeah i mean any time that you feel that you have changed the trajectory of a child's life and their future made it more possible for them to get an education and have a chance at a future it's incredibly rewarding and we you know are not always able to have it work out the way that we would like or the way that best um 
changes that trajectory to the extent that we would like, but we certainly uh, work to do what we can to support each and every child's effort in, in getting what they need. And having said that, unfortunately, we have those that are involved in the system that are not well-intentioned, right? Evil in the heart, evil in the mind, and we hear the horrific stories of human trafficking and and other issues. So there's, I guess, a bit of both uh, that are present within the system, and it continues to be a challenge across this country. Well, I, um, I'm not sure exactly um that suggestion except to say that when a child is in the custody of the state of Louisiana and they're in an adoptive home, the court is required by federal law, but also well, based I, upon I was also including foster care. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm... So what, you know, so when we are um, in a situation where a child is placed or when we are trying to work with a family to maintain their home life, um, we do review these cases. We have the opportunities, again, to have the parents in, in uh, substance abuse treatment. We have um, a number of options of in-home therapies and um, programs for mental illness. And it's, I mean, it's, these things are not easy. It's not a one-size-fits-all, um, and that is why we have so many hearings. You know, we have to ensure that they are compliant. We have to ensure that they are improving. We have to ensure that the children remain in a safe and stable home. Sometimes it requires the child to be temporarily removed until they're in a situation where through supports, they're able to have their child return to them. But it, it certainly is not, you know, one of those where you put the boat in the water and you just let it float down. I mean, you have to... Right watch it along the path and make sure that you intervene and that they're doing what they can to ensure that, you know, they are providing the children what they need. And when you look uh, at poverty in our state, I mean, these numbers are staggering, and obviously it, 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 none of them lead to real positive outcomes. I think um, in some of the data that you provided, 827,586 residents received SNAP, which is Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. It's roughly $68 million in emergency allotments um, yeah, monthly as well. Uh, that's 18.5% of our population uh, are receiving assistance. Um, that's got to be emblematic of a lot of what you see in your court yeah i mean we sometimes um you know in that's kind of a related topic but in introducing some of the trauma informed court practices that have kind of gained attention nationwide i mean it's really difficult for a child to come to court and to sit there if they haven't been fed breakfast if they haven't had you know, a good night's sleep and all of those kinds of things. So in the court system, we find ourselves also sometimes in having to check on just the basic needs of people and ensuring that when they are before us, that we are asking the right questions, that we are making the right orders. And sometimes it's quite simple things that, you know, we might take for granted if, you know, you or I, we're in a circumstance, you know, it might be a different circumstance about getting your child ready and getting them there. 
Sometimes people are taking multiple buses, walking to, you know, distances sometimes um, on the West Bank to get to where we are, taking multiple bus exchanges to get to where we are. And we always are working towards doing a better job at making that experience easier for people and recognizing that, I mean, just for the sake of having a vehicle and having enough food in the home is sometimes an advantage that all of the people that we see simply just don't have. Well, congratulations uh, to you guys for the hard work that y'all do day in and day out and for the celebration of uh, these parents that will be adopting uh children as you well know i have two adopted children they were uh, two adopted children excuse me uh, truly gifts from god um and you know it's just so uh, rewarding to hear that there are folks um, that continue to adopt uh, kids especially out of these programs because uh, it can be very difficult and sometimes it's a long and arduous uh, journey uh, to get from point A to point B. And in many cases, it's not real easy, and you have to stay the course. And, and thankfully, we have uh, families willing to do so, right? Yeah, it is wonderful. Um, I do want to make sure to get on this um, interview the fact that if there are any listeners out there who have an interest in a heart for children that may be interested in becoming a foster parent, that they can contact uh, Crossroads NOLA, uh, that is the entity, a nonprofit in our area who does just a spectacular job at preparing and certifying foster parents, an incredibly important and needed service in our community, as well as CASA, the court-appointed special advocates who provide voices for children who are in foster care for the court, and they can be contacted either through their website at casajefferson.org or through their outreach intake person, Miss Ether, and her number is 504-533-8757. And both of these services, you know, take in and train volunteers and really form a critical backdrop for what we're able to do in court. And so I just wanted to make sure that I got that out there. No doubt. I mean, both of those organizations, uh, it makes the process so much easier in court to make sure that everyone's interests are protected as you move through that process. And without them, Judge, I think you would agree this whole thing would go a lot slower and be a lot more tedious than it already is, right? Right. And, and it's it's not just slow, but sometimes you just don't get all of the information that you need or sometimes right. you're delayed in putting a child in a placement that they really deserve and need and so i really um thank you for having me here and i hope that i've been able to communicate this need in our community because it really does lift the floor of our entire community and really seeks to serve us well with all of our citizens no doubt at all, and thank you, as well as Judge Baron Burmaster and Judge Jennifer Womble, uh, who make up the juvenile court for all the hard work y'all do each and every day. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
All righty, folks, that was Judge Amanda Can- Calagero, uh, Jefferson Parish Juvenile Court. We will be right back, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. Stay with us. Welcome. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply hey everyone boomer and here the nfl draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. back folks joining us uh dr john d fitzmorris the third he is a professor out at the uno department of history and philosophy and chairman of the new orleans veterans day parade it's the seventh annual veterans day parade tomorrow november 11th and uh, he joins us to talk about it uh john welcome to the show well good morning to you Neil. how are you today very doing fine, uh, my friend, and it's good to talk to you again as we uh, have visited many times about the parade. So tell us what we can expect tomorrow. Well, uh, first of all, I want us to expect that the rain that's forecast for tomorrow will hold off. Um, the second thing that I want to say is I want to give a, uh, a warm uh, shout out to all our U.S. Marines as they're celebrating the Marine Corps birthday today, November the 10th. Uh, it's always great when the Marine Corps and then Veterans Day fall right next to each other like they do. Uh, it's a, a wonderful time. And, and last but not least, as Veterans Day is coming up, I want to uh, give a special uh, shout out to a friend of mine by the name of James Bollock, who lives in Lafayette, Louisiana. He's 101 years old, Newell, and he was a United States uh, Marine, and he was stationed on a little peninsula called Bataan during the Second World War, and he was a, shall we say, a guest of the Japanese for many years, and he uh, lives very quietly in Lafayette, Louisiana now, and uh, he's among the many people that we are celebrating tomorrow, those who came home and survived, and those who have done the the work that uh, has kept us free in this nation. So to him and all those like him, I, I wish a very happy Veterans Day. Tomorrow, of course, we're going to have our Veterans Day parade at 11 o'clock a.m. along Harrison Avenue. We're going to march between Argonne Boulevard and Milne Boulevard. It's about a 19-block walk, and we will have uh, several American Legion posts, several VFW posts, many numerous individual veterans. In addition to them, we're going to have the famous Buffalo Soldiers on horseback and the Patriot Guard Riders, who are going to be on motorcycles. Uh, Accompanying our veterans in the parade will be uh, numerous Cub and Boy Scout troops, and as well as um, the streetcar strutters, who are going to uh, march alongside our veterans as well. 
And last but not least, our Grand Marshal is uh, Mr. Matthew Cole, a retired U.S. Marine and a recipient of the Purple Heart in Afghanistan. He was our Grand Marshal last year, but unfortunately we got uh, deluged and we had to move our ceremony inside. And so I thought it was only fair that we uh, continue his Grand Marshal tenure to this year's parade. Uh, unfortunately for Matt, it looks like he may have brought some more rain with him, but we're going to try our best to get out there and walk uh, on the street tomorrow. Well, if it's attributed to him, he may be even a bigger hero than he already is by ending this <laughs> drought for us, right? <laughs> Absolutely, and we definitely need the rain. I just want the, that much-needed rain to hold off till the late afternoon tomorrow. Uh, John, tell us, you know, seven years now, uh, the parade, I, I have to imagine there's so many fond mem- memories. Well, the, the fondest memory I have is, is seeing the veterans themselves and the, the appreciation that, um, that they are given and, and the appreciation they feel for uh, the fact that we salute them. And the other fond memory that I have most in, uh, of all is when a young boy or a young girl who obviously too young to remember World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and now even uh, the Gulf War, in Afghanistan, uh, going and standing and talking with these people and and learning about them. We're going to have the Brother Martin Naval Junior ROTC. We're going to have the New Orleans um, uh, Military and Marine uh, Maritime Academy Junior ROTC as well. And it's really gratifying when I see these young people talking to these uh, warriors of ours and finding out uh, what the uh, you know what the price of our freedom is sometimes, and that is a very difficult thing, and it's a very tenuous thing. And these are the men and women who have stood up when called upon to defend that, and it just makes a great impression on these young folks. And I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing that happen again tomorrow. John, it really takes on a, a an even um, a, a special um, significance tomorrow because our troops over the past several days have been fired upon in, in the Middle East. And it's a, it's a reminder of the sacrifice and, and, you know, the courage and the strength needed to stand up to this uh, so that we can enjoy what we enjoy here in our country, right? You know, Neil, um, we often, you know, the older generation oftentimes calls the younger generation spoiled, uh, ungrateful, um, un- unwilling to do what they did. And yet it seems that every time uh, there is some sort of a conflict, like we see, sadly, in, in Israel and the Gaza Strip, and we have to send troops over there, there are plenty, and I mean plenty, of young people who are willing to stand up and answer that call to go and serve their country. And and, and it, it, it's because of the sacrifices that those before them did. Uh, we, we've laid down a tremendous example of, of service to the country uh, that, you know, for whatever reason people are serving, it's a dangerous job. And at the end of the day, they do it. Uh, they may not like it. It may not be fun. It may take them away from their families. And at the end of the day, it may wreck them psychologically and emotionally. And yet, they still do it. They still line up. They still go overseas. And then the, the least that we can do for them, the very least we can do is simply say thank you and appreciate them and understand that they have a place in this society after they come home from 
combat or war situations. I was reading an article, John, the, the other day in preparation for Veterans Day. I always kind of like to just, you know, read about things going on. And I came across an old saying, and, and I'm sure you've seen it before, and it just kind of reminds me of the contradictions that we live in our life. And in, in specific terms, it says that courage is almost a contradiction in terms. It means a strong desire to live taken the form of readiness to die. And, you know, and I couldn't put it any better. I mean, of that contradiction that people have, that folks, young men and women, come to grips with every time uh, they raise their right hand, they take that oath, and they, and they go off to defend the rights and the privileges that we enjoy. You know, no, I'm a, I'm a professor of liberal arts, and so words are something that we use like, uh, like a blacksmith would use. And when it comes to the sacrifices and the courage that these soldiers make, I find myself always at a loss for words on how to properly uh, explain uh, what, these, what these people do and what they, uh, what they have done for us. And it, it really, I think that's probably one of the best definitions I've heard of courage is running into a dangerous situation when you really, your, your whole desire is to get away from that. Yeah. And uh, it's, a, it's a reminder of, of um, valor, courage, and everything else that you can use as a descriptive uh, of what we do. Um, Newell, ma- last week at the uh, National World War II Museum hosted uh, the Medal of Honor recipients. And I have known this for a long time, but it, it's always hammered home when I go and meet these individuals is that they're not – in the, in the sense special in the sense that they were made differently than the rest of us. They're regular, ordinary people. What, what sets them apart is that despite the fact that they're regular and they're ordinary people, they did the most courageous thing possible for our nation. And that's why they, they wear the Medal of Honor proudly. And, and I'm proud to have known some of these people. Yeah, in fact, uh, next up after you, John, is Stephen Watson, the president and CEO of the National World War II Museum. We're going to talk about the festivities uh, and the culmination of their capital campaign. And they wanted to get this Liberty Pavilion open, as well as the Colonel Battle Barksdale Parade Grounds, which I, I stumbled on his name earlier. And I'm embarrassed about that. Um, but uh, just quite quite an event. Um, you know, just so many... I am- Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I am I am always uh, uh, blown away by the the progress and the work that this museum has has achieved in the 25 years since it has opened. And uh, this this opening of yet another pavilion and then the parade grounds is just another feather in the cap of probably one of the top five museums in the United States located right here in New Orleans. And so to Mr. Watson and to Dr. Nick Mueller and others, uh, Dr. Nick Mueller was a former colleague of mine at UNO. Uh, This is just simply another uh, major accomplishment for for this project that started, and I I, I think you probably know this, 
the late Professor Stephen Ambrose. It started as a project in the backyard in Gentilly, and now look at it today. And that is just an amazing thing. And I, I hope one day, you, if you haven't already, have Dr. Nick Mueller on so he can talk about this parade. I mean, the, the, this museum. Uh, yeah, I think I, think I have, but I will do so. And actually, I was the beneficiary of being a student of Dr. Ambrose in two separate classes. One was on Vietnam and, and and the other in World War II, and uh, he piqued my curiosity and my interests, and I, I went off reading as, as many World War II books as I could get my hands on for a long, long time, and uh, attributed to him in that class. Um, I just uh, really enjoyed, uh, it's probably my favorite class that I had at UNO, quite frankly. Um, well, in a shameless self-promotion, I, I, I'm honored to be actually teaching Dr. Ambrose's class on, on Vietnam now at the oh, University really? of New Orleans. And it's uh, one of the best things about it, and this ties into Veterans Day, is that I only teach half the class. The other half of the class is taught by the Vietnam veterans who come in and speak about their experiences and, and just absolutely impress the students to no end. Yeah. Well, you know, what uh, – when – in, in your teaching, what, what is the reaction of young adults and young kids today uh, when you, you like, talk like about all young, Like all young men and women, there's a mixture. Uh, some are absolutely mesmerized, and they, uh, they, they you know, go for it hook, line, and sinker. Others are maybe a little bit confused and overwhelmed by the, uh, you know, by the depth of what these people experienced. Uh, they're all very impressed. Um, some are impressed to the point where they are inspired to go and, and talk to more veterans, or in, in some cases, they're actually inspired to go and, and join the military. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that I, I've had students of mine that have gone on to the military, but I've also had students of mine that have gone on to study uh, the history of, of the military and soldiers and understanding that uh, you know, war and combat and so forth is not just about all the great generals and the great uh, battles and everything, but it's about the ordinary average human being being put into a terrible position and doing the very best that they can. Absolutely. I know that you got to get somewhere, probably got to get to class, if I'm not mistaken. We appreciate yes, you sir, joining us uh, this I morning. I appreciate and you having me, Bill. And, and thank you for I your really service, do. John. John Fitzmaurice, a Ph.D. at the UNO Department of History and Philosophy and Chairman of the New Orleans Veterans Day Parade. Tomorrow 11, uh, at 11 o'clock, uh, it starts on what end of Harrison? It starts at the corner of Vicksburg and Harrison Avenue. We'll be assembling at the Knights of Columbus Hall, 6254 Vicksburg Street at 10 o'clock, and we will walk out of the hall, weather permitting, at 11 o'clock. Please come out, especially bring your kids to see this. All righty. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great weekend and have a great day tomorrow. Thank you, Neil. God bless you and keep on doing the good work that you're doing at WWL. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back, folks. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and text line. Stay with us. Don't forget, folks, 7th Annual Veterans Day Parade tomorrow, November 11th, uh, starting out there at Harrison Avenue in Vicksburg. Uh, uh, They'll be lining up at 10 a.m. Get out there. You uh, bring your kids. Have a lot to enjoy. And congratulations to John Fitzmaurice and his group for putting this on every year. Uh, it's, It's really a nice event. Been out there a couple of times myself. 
Also, want to remind all folks, uh, Saints fans, uh, in or near Vashry, Louisiana, you can meet Saints legend Deuce McAllister and Mike Haas today at First American Bank and Trust Headquarters. They'll be there for the special edition of Fans the Pro. Join us as they talk uh, Saints football, honor our veterans on the eve of Veterans Day, and celebrate the bank's newly renovated headquarters. Meet Deuce and Haas in the beautiful Vashry, Louisiana, First American Bank and Trust Headquarters. 2785 Louisiana 20 today from 4 to 6 p.m. on WWL and the free Odyssey app. And don't forget our LSU coverage tomorrow. LSU battles Florida in Death Valley. Coverage starts at 2. Join Mike Dettelier and Herb Tyler for the Gulf Coast Bank and Trust Tiger Tailgating Show live at the Acme Oyster House in Baton Rouge. You can come out and size up at Acme with 16. Wow. Surround sound TVs. And the best drink specials. It's a great place to hang out and talk LSU football. Thanks to the good folks at Map Construction. LSU's official pregame show starts at 4.30. Kickoff with Chris Blair at 6.30. LSU Tigers versus Florida Gators tomorrow on WWL and streaming live on the free Odyssey app. That's how I'll be listening to it tomorrow night because I have a function to attend and that is the easiest way uh, to do it as well and uh, have done that several times too so don't forget all we got a full weekend too I think um, Tulane takes on Tulsa I believe it's 11 o'clock kickoff uh, at the Tulane campus and the Tigers are playing and the Saints are away in Minnesota so we'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text Line. This is Newell on WWL. Yes, I will continue to read out names. Tommy Tucker put that out this morning, and I've received a couple, and we'll start uh, now. First Lieutenant Army Chinook Pilot Leo James O'Rourke. Uh, if you want to text in name of a veteran in your family that served, we would be honored uh, to read their name. It was a great idea by uh, Tommy Tucker, and we'll continue to do this on Veterans Day Observed uh, today and, and the birthday of the Marine Corps as well. So when we come back after the top of the news break, uh, the World War II Museum just uh, finished uh, several days of a celebration and opening, grand opening of a new wing to their facility that uh, brings to an end their capital campaign, $400 million investment uh, over a number of years. And we'll speak with Stephen Watson, President and CEO of the National World War II Museum. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 